Today's episode is brought to you by Red Rock Roasters. You've heard of Red Rock Roasters, right? Oh, you haven't? Founded in 1993, Red Rock Roasters is a family-owned, multi-generational, specialty coffee roaster based in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And to help celebrate 30 years of excellence, during the month of November, Red Rock Roasters is holding a 30 days of giveaway celebration. All you have to do is use the hashtag 30 years of Red Rock Roasters when you share your posts on Instagram or Facebook stories to be entered into the drawing. Coffee and merchandise will be awarded every single day through November to 30 participants whose names will be randomly drawn from amongst the folks who use the hashtag. You can find Red Rock Roasters Coffee in your local Albertsons, Sprouts, Smith's Food and Drug, and Whole Foods Market in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Don't live in Albuquerque? Again, no problem. You can visit redrockroasters.com to see their entire collection of responsibly sourced beans that are perfectly roasted with the care and professionalism your next cup of coffee deserves. Listen, you, you can't lose on this. So use the hashtag 30 years of Red Rock Roasters to start winning some coffee and merchandise the entire month of November. You can find more details in the show notes. Hello, hello. Welcome in, everyone, to another episode of the Nonprofit Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Swim Kareem. So glad to have you in for third episode in three weeks. We are on a bit of a roll right now. We've got a lot of great episodes. Go back. Check out some of those other episodes. We are in episode 26, rocking and rolling as we enter into uh, you know late fall, soon to be winter. It's just... Just a wild time right now, so hopefully you're doing all right. We've got a good episode today. I want to talk about, are, are nonprofits government replacers? You may If you've been in a nonprofit space for some time, maybe you've heard about it. If you're new to the industry, uh, maybe you're young 20-something and you're trying to get into it. This is something that I've heard before of nonprofits just fill the void where government lacks. I want to talk about that here a little bit in about 10 minutes. We have a really good story out of Tallahassee. We're going to go down south to the capital of Florida. We're going to talk about a hip-hop concert that um, that has a goal of reducing gun violence. This is something that I definitely want to be able to hit on. So that's coming up here in about two minutes in our news segment. And we are back with another nonprofit horror story that is so so perfectly timed, uh, did some outreach, had, had a person who is high level in the industry, high level in the industry, and she sent me in a very nice story. So I'm excited to share that here in a little bit. We've had a lot of states that just had elections yesterday. If you're listening to this November 8th, a lot of elections happened across the state, I, even here, or across the nation, even here in New Mexico, we had elections, so I had a chance to go out, do a little bit of voting in that respect. So we're going to talk about that uh, horror story. We're going to share that here in about 20 minutes. Listen, if you haven't already, be sure to follow us on Instagram. I, I'm talking about that every single episode. Be sure to hit us up on Instagram. Let us know that you're following us. Uh, we've already got some good ones, but let me see here. Is there anything else? Shout out to Red Rock Roasters, sponsoring us. Another episode from Red Rock Roasters. Be sure to use the hashtag 
30 years of Red Rock Roasters. We have that in the show notes. We have that on Instagram. Go ahead and hammer it because they're giving away a lot of stuff. I think they're giving away like coffee machines. I know they're giving away coffee, but they're giving away some high level things, merch. So listen, they're supporting us. So be sure you support them as well. All right, I think that's it. Let's get into the new segment. Back in like a, a many months ago, in, in our one of our earliest episodes, episode six, nonprofits have a unique working relationship. I shared a story about an organization out of Memphis, Tennessee, a nonprofit that was working to bring down homicides in the city by 30% by the year 2026. And their main goal was not just homicide in general, but specifically they were focusing on gun homicide. And, and I've talked about, if you listen to that episode, go back, take a listen to it, because I shared a personal story of my brother experiencing gun violence while growing up in Philadelphia and a good friend of his being killed at the hands of a gun. And as I was scrolling through, I was like, you know, what? I got to get a good news article for today. Came across something out of Tallahassee.com. Tallahassee, for those of you that don't know, is the capital uh, of Florida, which, you know, Florida's in the news a lot, right? You got you got a governor running for president, so we're going to hear a lot about Florida this next couple of uh, couple of months and years as we get into the 2024 election. And there was a really good article by Michaela, or excuse me, Micaiah, my apologies, Micaiah Everett, and the, the title of the article is, quote, Tallahassee Nonprofit's Goal is to Reduce Gun Violence one hip-hop beat at a time. And just a really good article, actually a very long article. I, I was thinking this might be a short article because it, it talked about how uh, celebrating the 50 years of hip-hop that this nonprofit, it's called, let me make sure I got it right here, it's called the North Florida Community Development Corporation. They're holding a concert and they're going to have Dougie Fresh is going to be there. MC Light is scheduled to perform. And one of the big things is they're trying to get T-Pain to perform as well. Now, T-Pain, he was big back when I was in high school. So he's, you know, he's he's still a well-known figure, but he's not as big as some of, like, the big, you know, the Drakes, the Little Babies. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other. Uh, Ice Spice is really big with a lot of the young people. So he's a little bit of a different generation. But as a person who's from Tallahassee, because he's from, he was born and raised there, and as a person who really got famous coming out of that area, he's someone who gets a lot of attention, as you would imagine. So they've got these artists coming in, um, even though they don't have them signed. It was an interesting thing. But the article really just talks about how the, the number of gun shootings that have occurred in Tallahassee has just been high. And, and, and high is relative, right? If you live in you know, Detroit, Michigan, Trenton, New Jersey, if you live in, I'm trying to think, like Montgomery, Alabama, if you live in Denver, Colorado, if we're being honest, you know, one person killed at the hands of a gun is a lot. I mean, it really is a lot. Gun violence is a real thing in this country. It affects a lot of people. And I think a lot of the aspects of the gun conversation uh, don't just extend to the aspects of if you can have a gun or if you can't have a gun but really extends to, to the level of people get affected by the power that is a weapon of this magnitude. And I think we think that, um, you know, in comparison to all the other weapons that are out there, guns are still very, very powerful. They're easier to get. They're easier to use. 
I mean, shoot. People have asked me, like, oh, are you, are you think you're ever going to get a gun soon? I'm like, you're crazy. I have, a, I have an eight-year-old in my house. Like, it's just so powerful of a weapon in comparison to so many others. So they're trying to reduce the amount of gun violence that happens in Tallahassee. And one of the ways you can do that is through the power of celebrities. And nonprofits for all the things that we see in terms of the way nonprofits can be run and structured, I think there is a lot of opportunities for nonprofits to partner with celebrities or notable figures. Even if you have to pay those notable figures, and according to this um, article uh, by Ms. Everett, it's supposed to cost, I think it was like $125,000 to run this event. And $85,000 out of that $125,000 is for the talent. I mean, like with anything, right? The most expensive thing in any business oftentimes is the labor. And so when you have Dougie Fresh, MC Light, the first ever woman, solo woman rapper to be nominated for a Grammy. I, I grew up on MC Light. I love MC Light. And T-Pain, like they cost money. And for me, as a person that's been in a nonprofit space, I'm very comfortable with hiring, you know, the famous one is Sarah McLaughlin, and uh, I'm trying to think of some other. Matt Damon does one for like water resources and sanitation. I'm very comfortable with having nonprofits use the power of a famous person to bring about the cause because we listen to celebrities in this country and around the world. So look, this is a very good article. One of the things I really appreciate about the writer in this article is the fact that they go into this nonprofit. They, they know they're going to need some money from the government. They basically need some support. So they go to the local city council and they're like, hey, is there a way we can get $25,000? But this concert is scheduled to happen very, very fast. And, and so in, in those types of moments, nonprofits can be they can go hand in hand with working in government, which we're going to talk about here in about you know three minutes here. I, I got a good one. I want to talk about that in the main segment. But nonprofits will often go to city leaders and say, hey, listen, we have an idea. We know it's short notice, but we want to be able to get some funds from you all so we can put on an event. We can host a program. We can create a project. We can do an initiative, whatever the case may be. And the writer does a good job of really showing some of the back ways that this nonprofit is trying to work with local county, local commissioners, um, just a high level example of the ways nonprofits can work with celebrities, can work with the community, can work with government, and all the things that come with it. I'd be doing a disservice if I really tried to get deep into it. So I'm going to put this in the show notes. If you're a person you like hip hop, if you're a person who likes to enter workings of the way nonprofits can utilize their power in the communities, check this article out. She does a really good job, some high level writing and insights, and I love seeing things like this on a local level. Remember when I said today's episode was brought to you by Red Rock Roasters? Well, I forgot to mention their coffee of the month club. And believe it or not, it's even better than what it sounds like. When you sign up for their Coffee of the Month Club, you receive three 12-ounce bags of caffeinated coffee and a little coffee surprise delivered directly to your home each and every month. You decide when you want it shipped out, and they choose which of their coffees is the most exciting that month. 
You can choose from an assortment of medium, medium dark, or dark blends, or stick with a box that contains only single origin coffees, which will all be medium roasted to develop their terroir. And can I tell you the price? Only $42.75 a month plus shipping and taxes. Listen, sometimes you just want a nice cup of home brewed coffee. No worries about getting to your car, putting an order in with 15,000 other people, worrying about the coffee creator saying your name wrong or having to punch a code into the bathroom while you wait. You don't even need to put in your good sweatpants for this deal. They have the coffee delivered directly to you so you can enjoy it in your own home. So visit redrockroasters.com to learn more about their coffee of the month club. You can find more details in the show notes. According to DoubleTheDonation.com, in 2022, Americans gave $499.33 billion to charity. So look, you, we can just round that up. What's a couple hundred million dollars? So $500 billion to charity in 2022. And one of the questions that often comes up in the nonprofit space, when you hear those numbers, right, $500 billion, out of that $500 billion, according to, to Double the Donation, $319 billion, or 64% of all the money given, came from individuals. So it didn't come from foundations, which accounted for 21% of all giving, $105 billion. Didn't come from government entities. I mean, we're just literally just talking about $500 billion going to charity and the amount of that money coming from just everyday American and everyday American groups. It oftentimes begs the question that you'll hear every so often in the nonprofit space, are nonprofits government replacers? And when you hear this type of question, you can you can have all types of theories uh, around it, right? Because no no entity is going to have more money than the, the federal government. And we'll get into that here in a little bit, some of the different numbers and breakdowns. But we often know that government isn't perfect. It can be slow. It, it can be hard to turn on the dime. Sometimes it feels like government is not necessarily the most innovative of industries, and you often hear this uh, in the nonprofit space of the nonprofit space needs to mimic more of the for-profit space because for-profit can be a little bit more innovative. They, they can spend more money on research and development. I, I personally like the, the position that the nonprofit space is in, and I kind of consider them to be a little bit more in the middle of government where they're a little bit more innovative. Um, but necessarily, they're not always as efficient as for-profit. I don't think that's a bad thing. Not everything needs to be uh, privatized. And even in this capitalistic society, listen, we got to have some barriers. We got to have some lines. But you'll hear that question of, are nonprofits just doing the work that government should be doing? And I'm going to give you another, another uh, series of numbers here. $127 billion. That's the amount of money that the federal government projects to spend in the year 2023 on just one government program. You want to guess what that is? SNAP. And for those of you that, that aren't familiar with SNAP, SNAP is, is, for lack of a better word, just oftentimes the welfare, 
uh, or food welfare that many of us are associated with. It stands for the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. So food stamps, you know, that's another way, you know, you get food stamps, you, you have SNAP. The federal government plans to spend $127 billion just on that one program in America. That's one-fourth of all the money given to charities. That doesn't include all the other programs that the federal government spends money on, that state governments spend money on. That doesn't even include all the money, of course, that counties spend money on. The government is just a behemoth when it comes to the amount of money, you know, tax revenues that they get. And so when I hear the question of, are nonprofits government replacers, my answer is, is, is simply no. It's simply no. Now, some people may say yes in, in certain instances that nonprofits are doing a lot of the work and the labor that the government organizations or government entities should do. And we could argue about that all day, but as a whole, Nonprofits will never have the money, the research, the structure, the resources, and the size that government agencies, even, even state government agencies will, will have. And so here, here's, a, here's, a good, here's a good example. If you take the top 15 foundations in America, private foundations, we're talking the Ford Foundation, we're talking the Bill Melinda Gates Foundation, and you add all of their money together, that still does not equal all the money that the federal government spent on just food stamps, just SNAP of $127 billion. And one of the prime examples, I'll give you a good example here, that a lot of people will say that nonprofits are serving as a replacement in comparison to what the government should be doing is education. It's education. It's one of the ones where every year, right, you send your kids to school, they come back that first day or that second day, or maybe even before the first day with the laundry list of things they need. Pencils, pens, of course, maybe some uh, watercolor paints. If they're taking art classes, $30 because they need to pay for the supplies. And, and, and I get it. The frustration immediately turns to, isn't, shouldn't you all have all of these things? Why is it that I, as, a, as an everyday citizen who pays taxes, why do I have to buy things beyond clothes and a book bag? Why am I buying the teachers the supplies? Why am I giving my, my, my teacher a Starbucks gift card because they're paying out of pocket an average of $784 a year as a teacher from their own pocket because they don't have enough uh, funds in the school district to, to pay for some of these things. And I get that all the time. But one of the things that the federal government and just government in general oftentimes has to, to contest with is how can they do the most amount of good for the society or, or the people that they represent? And listen, I'm no policy expert. I, you government folks, don't come after me because I know you all have deeper insights into the inner workings of how the government works in terms of revenue and taxes and distributions, right? But the government has to say to themselves, okay, we could spend a lot of our energy and time on breast cancer research, on sickle cell um, initiatives, or we could take a lot of our money. We can give it to those nonprofits because 80% of all nonprofits get money from the government. We could take our money, give it to those nonprofits, and provide these nonprofits with tax benefits 
because we know we have some holes in our game because we just we don't have the ability to do it all. And I think that is what people miss when they think about the nonprofit conversation around if they are doing the work that government should be doing. Because if, and I'll use just sickle cell as an example, and I'll come back to education in a little bit. Listen, how many people are truly affected by sickle cell? You know what? 3% of the population. Not to say those 3% are less than or more than the other 95%, but how many people are, are affected by breast cancer to testicular cancer? How many people are affected by being um, deemed a paraplegic? When you think about the numbers, the, the United States doesn't have, the federal government doesn't have the ability to spend all of that time doing work for smaller, different groups of um, organizations or social causes. So what do they do instead? They provide nonprofit status. They say, listen, all right. You're going to go out there. You're going to do work for the greater good that maybe we can't. Here's a check for $500,000, $3 million, whatever the case may be. And we're going to make sure you don't have to worry about paying taxes. And that is how society as a whole at this moment in time has said this is worth it. And you go back to the idea of education. If you look at Forbes.com, I'm going to put this in the show notes. In 2022, they have a list of the top 100 charities. They do this every year. The number 80, the 82nd ranked charity is an organization by the name of Scholarship America. I've heard of them and I'm familiar with them because they have a program called Scholars for Dollars. And I'll put this all in the show notes where in this program, members of a local community can come together and they raise money for graduating seniors to provide them with basically money to use in secondary education um, whether they're going to college, trade school, whatever the case may be. And so a prime example uh, of something like this, there's an organization, we'll, we'll focus in on Arizona, called the Tempe Scholars for Dollars, and they're under the Scholarship America um, banner. And, and I'm just going to read it for you here. It says, Temple Dollars for Scholars offer scholarship opportunities to graduating seniors in the Tempe, Arizona Union High School District. And there's a nonprofit foundation that supports academic success in our community. And their whole gist, whether it's in Stellacom, Washington, whether it's in Greater Heights, New York, they've got you know chapters all over the United States. They are a nonprofit organization. And for folks that want to be able to go to college or do some type of post-high school ordeal, they can get money from this local Dollars for Scholars groups. And so you could say, well, shouldn't the federal government just pay for that? Look, at this moment in time, uh, federal government pays for education, free education, all the way up to, to your 12th grade. And after that, well, you know, you're, you're a little bit more on your own. There's a lot of cause and a lot of uh, pressure for the United States to pay for college at a higher level that isn't student loans. That's another conversation. But the government has said, okay, listen. We know that education is important. We want to foster that. But at this moment in time, we just don't have that ability. So you create a nonprofit status and that money that you raise won't get taxed. We can allow people to contribute to these organizations, get tax reductions. And that's the way it's done. So no, when, when, when people say our nonprofits, government replaces, I, I say no, because there's a current structure and a current foundation that allows us as a society to come together to determine what the things 
that we want to give our money and attention to in lieu of the federal government. All right, time for our favorite segment of the show. Time for our nonprofit horror story. And sometimes I get a nonprofit horror story submission that falls into my lap, and the timing could not be any more perfect. And this is definitely one of those stories. And I'm not even, I'm not even gonna drag this out because this is the type of story that's on the mind of nearly every nonprofit charity out there right now. It's November 8th, and we just had elections all across the nation. I know we had an election here in New Mexico yesterday, November 7th. And this is the time where a lot of nonprofits will tell their volunteers, along with their employees and board members and paid staff, do not do anything crazy or wildly political with her name attached. If you're going to do something out there in the public and you're going to do something political, that's your own business. But listen, don't be doing it with our t-shirts on. Don't be saying that we're supporting this or that. That's just not something that many nonprofits want to get into. And 2024 election is coming up, so you are really going to start hearing about this even more so. But let me let me pre- let me preface by saying In the world of sales, there's a famous proverb that says, always take the meeting. You you salespeople out there, you've heard this. You, You development people out there, you've heard this. Always take the meeting. And over the last year, I've come across so many amazing people. Sometimes... I'm having short interactions, you know, five, 10 minutes with these folks. And sometimes it's hours, if not days of interaction. And for me, like I've done a lot of networking in the past. That's when I really started to get into networking. It was back when I was in Seattle. And I absolutely value a short impromptu meeting because that's really what we're doing, right? If you meet people, you know, it could be a conference, uh, a cross company work happy hour, you know, after the conference, maybe it, it could be a community meeting. You are in those positions at times to take the meeting. And that's not just in terms of putting it on your calendar, you know, meeting up for coffee or anything like that. Sometimes it's just being present. And when you take a present, when you take that approach of being present, even for a short impromptu meeting, even a brief conversation can lead to major things. And so I met this person in an impromptu meeting, in an impromptu setting and interaction. But when talking with this person, and I could not have talked to this person, honestly, for more than eight, nine, 10 minutes, you know, at most. And I could easily tell that this is a person I wanted to give my attention to because you can see impressive very quickly. You can see impressive very quickly. And I was impressed with this person. And I could tell this is the type of person that if I'm ever in their area again, if I'm ever in a position to be in their world again, I want to make sure I know this person. So for today's nonprofit horror story, we have Fiona. Fiona writes. One part of the nonprofit world that no one talks about is the fact that volunteers can be fired. 
It is not common, and goodness knows we try to avoid it, but it does happen. Our nonprofit was partnering with a government agency for a project and had helped to bring on some crucial volunteers. When these volunteers began, they were given very strict rules to follow, which is not uncommon when working with the government. It was made clear to all the volunteers that if they broke a rule, it would result in dismissal. One of these rules was that the volunteers could not engage in any political activity or advocacy while volunteering or as a representative of the program. Well, a few weeks into the program, one of our volunteers wrote a letter to a local official with some accusations. (laughs) This would have been fine if he had sent it from his personal email, but he sent it from his government-run volunteer email address and identified himself as a volunteer in the program. I had the unfortunate job of having to inform him that he was no longer allowed to volunteer. This story should end here, but unfortunately, this particular volunteer was not only furious at being fired, but he believed that we were trying to cover up some type of political corruption by silencing him. I attempted to explain the rule he had broken and that if he had just done all of this on his own time, it would not have been an issue, but he would not hear it. He ended up threatening to write scathing articles about us in the local paper. Luckily, that did not happen, and I hope to never be threatened at work again. Well, thank you, Fiona for what is probably the most perfectly timed nonprofit horror story we've ever received here on the Nonprofit Insider Podcast. And two things. One, well, three things. One, thank you again, Fiona. This is a a really, seriously, a great story that really is on the head of a lot of nonprofits because we know volunteers, listen, we volunteers like to often say, listen, I'm volunteering. I'm making the rules. Eh, we're dancing. That's what I always like to say. Volunteers really do have to meet us halfway. Uh, we, we can't do all of the heavy lifting. And listen, we love our volunteers. We love the work that they're doing, but they got to they gotta meet us halfway. We want to be professional here. And so that that's one thing. The second thing is I think a lot of people outside of the nonprofit space would truly be surprised by the audacity of volunteers. <laughs> I mean, like, the the halo around volunteers and volunteerism is strong. And listen, I love, you all know this, I got my start in volunteerism. So, love volunteers. And they really are heavenly. But volunteers, I mean, they will curse you out and send nasty emails just as much as one of your favorite corporate coworkers will. I mean, it is wild, the level of audacity that volunteers, maybe they just haven't had power in a past life, whatever the case may be, but there are many volunteers that will go way past the line. And this is my third thought with with this particular story. When in doubt, if you're thinking as a volunteer, you want to do something like this, just don't do it. I mean, I don't tend to 
get behind many of the feelings of upper management because listen, we all have someone we have to report to. I was talking to a friend just over the weekend. Even if you're a business owner, you have customers. So we all have someone that we're kind of accountable to. And so I don't tend to agree with the upper management a whole lot in every little thing. But this is one of those things. I am 100% behind a lot of upper management and nonprofits. When it comes to political aspects, things can get very tricky and very slippery fast. Listen, if you get jammed up, don't mention my name. If you know that quote, send me up. You already know what it is. I think that's a good stopping point. Let's go ahead and get out of here. Thank you so much to you, Fiona. This was a perfectly, again, I've said it a bunch of times, but this was a perfectly timed uh, nonprofit horror story. Excited for our audience to be able to listen to this. And look, I'm going to go ahead and drop a little secret here. Because look, we got a sponsor, new sponsor. Shout out to Red Rock Roasters. Be sure to use the hashtag 30 years of Red Rock Roasters. Get your chance to enter to uh, win some really cool stuff. They're giving away some good stuff. I'm looking at uh, some merchandise coming soon. Merchandise of the nonprofit horror story. We're going to start small, nothing crazy, maybe a sticker. You know, just be something like that. Fiona, I have one set aside for you. If we get this going here in these next two weeks, we're looking at a really good turnaround. So be sure to follow us on Instagram. We will see you on the next episode in two weeks. Take care.